Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sports Club, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila and Bajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Friday. We're live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Uh, all kinds of great basketball going on. There's uh, Major League Baseball. There's hockey. So uh, we're running the full gamut. Um, and this half of In the Huddle is brought to you by the Neuropathy and Pain Centers of Las Vegas. There's nothing worse than living in chronic pain with little hope. Neuropathy and Pain Centers of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. Call their office today, 725-373-9879, or book an appointment online to find out how to live pain-free. They've got all the answers. And without further ado, we would like to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in uh, Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center. Dr. Shaw, how are you doing? Have you Has, has your bracket survived? I know nobody's has, uh, but uh, <laughs> boy, oh boy. It was, it just, it's like that every year now where you can just yeah. forget about it. And, and I don't yeah, know I, what it is quite exactly, but it makes for great entertainment, no doubt. But the brackets... Yeah, I, I think it all comes down to who uh, guesses the best on, on the underdogs. It's, uh, I think I'm still in the top ten in my pool, but... Uh, a lot of upsets. Yeah, and uh, really quick on that thought, I'm wondering if, you know, there's so many one-and-done programs now, like Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina, <laughs> where guys just come and then they go. Whereas some of the St. Peter's, you've got grown men, seniors, that have no real – I mean, yeah, everyone dreams of going to the NBA. But I wonder if that age factor with some of these mid-major uh, programs that aren't the one-and-dones that get to keep guys one, two, three years, maybe that makes a difference. Any, any thought on that? I, you know, the basketball world is a whole different planet for me. I, um, <laughs> I can only speculate, and I don't think that's what this show's about is my speculation. Yeah, no doubt about that. But uh, I just think, yeah, maybe some age experience plays into it uh, a, a little bit. All right, before we get yeah. into uh, neck pain, which we all experience, and I know that uh, over at the Neuropathy and Pain Center, uh, they've got a lot of answers uh, for, for neck pain. Uh, uh, Dr. Shaw, uh, it's been a crazy week. We talked last week about Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones coming to the Raiders. But then this week, the Kansas City Chiefs lose Tariq Hill, who was a thorn in the Raiders' side for uh, many years. Crazy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we look at this AFC West and, and the moves that are being made uh, with the additions for the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos. Kind of out of the blue, the Chiefs just waved goodbye to Tariq Hill. What a stunning move that was. It, I, I mean, yeah, from the team standpoint, it certainly is probably just as impactful as uh, Devontae Adams is for their off, was for, was for Green Bay's offense. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I, it's my understanding Kansas City tried to keep him there, but at the end of the day, you know, business is business, and I guess he had to make the right move for him. But what an impactful player, you know. Uh, I, I think in, ex- in exchange, they, uh, the Chiefs wind up getting five first-round draft picks, which – you know, I guess at the end of the day is good, but you, those are a gamble as well. Yeah, no doubt. And if you look at it, th- there was a ripple effect. The Raiders trading for Devontae Adams and then giving him, at that time, the richest wide receiver quarterback in history changed the dynamics of the negotiations with Tyreek Hill uh, and the Chiefs. And all of a sudden he said, well, I want more now because I feel I'm the best wide receiver. And that's where the Chiefs said, 
we're not going to do that, but the Miami Dolphins did. So in one fell swoop, the Raiders got better and then weakened opponent. That's always that's a pretty darn good move when you can <laughs> strengthen yourself and weaken uh, somebody else, I would imagine, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, who, who, I guess the question is going to become who's going to be on the receiving end of those crazy uh, Mahomes sidearm throws, uh, take him to the house for 80 yards. I mean, someone's got to step up. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Dr. Shaw, um, want to talk about something that affects everybody. Um, and really, when you look at the numbers, neck pain affects around 14% of the population every year. Uh, yeah. It's more common with older people, um, uh, and that, that makes sense, uh, obviously. Uh, but I would imagine neck pain is very, very complex. And, um, you know, it's, it's a worrisome situation when you feel any kind of neck pain. But at what point do you... Oh, it's just something that you're going to be able to work out on your own compared to you better get uh, over to the neuropathy and pain center or a doctor uh, to get it looked at. Yeah, you know, I, I would, uh, you know, the, the number one reason that people miss work in America is lower back pain. But I, I would argue that neck pain, uh, depending on where you get your statistics from, I would argue neck pain is probably number two. And, uh, you know, if it affects your normal day-to-day activities and your work routine, then, then it's a problem. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you, Vinny, how many people I see on a day-to-day basis that come in for neck pain as a result of sleeping improperly. Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, we see a, a great majority of people here uh, with neck pain due to trauma, due to auto accidents, slip and falls, and weekend warrior stuff, of course. But just simply sleeping incorrectly is also an inherent problem. Uh, so, uh, America, if you're listening, stop sleeping on your stomach. That is so bad for you. <laughs> it, you know, if you can imagine, uh, sleeping on your stomach is the equivalent of uh, sitting there and turning your neck to the side and holding it for eight hours or however many hours you sleep. Eventually, you're going to wind up with irritation of the joints, the connective tissue, the ligaments, the tendons, and, of course, the nerves are going to be mad at you, and they're going to remind you about it for the next three days. So, you know, being aware of your position, being aware of your sleep postures, being aware of your work postures, even sitting properly uh, is important and, and definitely contributes to the uh, neck pain. What? So, yeah, c- catching it early is important. Um, you know, I, I, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd rather start working with a patient who has a 3 uh, versus waiting for it to become a 9. That's when it gets a little tricky. Got it. Um, all right. So you you uh, you, you kind of actually delved into something that I was going to ask because uh, you know what the causes of it uh, are. Now, obviously, sure. we can't unfortunately do anything about car accidents and things like just bad luck. Um, you know, uh, but there are things that we should be able to do uh, and can do uh, to to help mitigate uh, a neck um, just neck pain in general. And you mentioned sleeping. What were you? What would your suggestion be in, in terms of that? Well, the, the quote-unquote orthopedically correct way to sleep would be on your back with a pillow under a pillow or a wedge underneath your knees uh, so that your lower back is making flush uh, contact with your mattress. And then for your head, you want to use, uh, well, they say about four, four inches of neck flexion, or that equates to about a four-inch four inch pillow uh, or 30 degrees of neck flexion. You can lay on your side. But if you do, you got to have a pillow between the knees. Your head has to be parallel with the mattress, and your arms have to be out in front, sort of like a praying fetal position on your side. Um, but uh, other than that, those are the only two ways that you're supposed to sleep in order to avoid pain. But 
nobody does it. I mean, it's, it's hard to do when you're unconscious, of course, but all you can really do is train yourself that way. What are some other, um, you know, uh, do's and don'ts maybe to help protect that area? And, and what other types of uh, pain slash injuries are there that are related to the, uh, to the neck? Well, it, so I would say the majority of the pain is generated from the joints in the neck. Now, certainly the neck can be susceptible to disc injuries like the lower back, uh, and that is, those are definitely painful conditions. But I, I think pound for pound the joints or, or what we call facet joints in the neck those become irritated, and they're, they're obviously irritated through trauma, through injury, but uh, the joints can also inflame from prolonged positions. And I'll give you an example, like you know, an accountant sitting at his, his or her desk all day long with the computer monitor uh, at the level of the desk. That's going to force your head forward, your shoulders are going to come forward, and it's going to cause a, a strain at the base of your neck and your upper shoulders. And I think uh, everybody has... Uh, fallen victim to that one so you you would want to raise your computer monitor up so it's at at about chin level you want to keep something behind your lower back to force your stomach out and your chest out and it'll also in the same time bring your shoulders and your neck back so that you're sitting more erect in in a proper ergonomic position and that will take pressure off of those joints in your neck and you you should be able to do it for much longer periods without having to get up and stretch out what are uh, some of the, uh, the, the the pain sensations that people should be aware of? I know that there's pinching and that there's sure. the kind that, you know, kind of when you stretch it a little bit, it gives you a sharp pain. Uh, when we're sure. talking about that, uh, what, what should we be aware of? And especially in terms of that's not right, you really need to go to see a doctor. Well, I, I'd say the that's not right, you need to see a doctor stuff comes when uh, – Let's say, for example, you were to cough or sneeze, and that causes a sharp pain in your neck that extends into your arms and fingers. That's usually an indication that the spinal cord or the spinal nerves have been affected. Um, if it's just a pain with uh, mechanical uh, stresses, like turning your neck, that's usually a muscle problem. Um, if it's if it hurts only when you sit in a certain position, like with your head uh, leaning forward or, or turned to the side, that's, that's usually stress on the facet joints that we just talked about. But I'd say the, the holy cow moment comes when, uh, when you cough or sneeze and you feel something radiating down into your arm. That's when it's time to go. We're talking to Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. We're talking today about neck uh, pain, but uh, we all know that there's pain uh, every inch of our body sometimes. Uh, and, you know, uh, different different areas at different times. Uh, but they have answers for all of that. Please give them a call, 725-373-9879, and let them get you uh, back on the road to recovery. Uh, last question for you, Dr. Uh, Shaw. Uh, sure. At the Neuropathy and Pain Center, uh, when it does come to, you know, neck uh, ailments and neck uh, pain and that sort of thing, what kind of uh, relief uh, can you guys provide? What kind of treatments uh, are available? Sure, sure. So again, depending on the cause or the, the etiology of, the, of, of your pain, if it's coming from the discs, then we offer a, a decompression therapy. So we have wonderful modalities that we can um, uh, hook the patient up to that will slowly sort of uh, uh, reverse engineer those compressive forces on the neck and relieve pressure off of the discs and the spinal cord. And, and it's amazing because it, it winds up giving you instant relief of, of that pain in your neck and in your hands and fingers uh if it's you know if it's more uh superficial like the muscles and we have physical therapy modalities 
Uh, if we are truly talking about a neuropathy, meaning your spinal cord or nerves are compromised, uh, then that's where Dr. Odell steps in, and he has a wonderful device known as Synexus that has, I, I've seen it with my own eyes, people who have terrible neuropathy or radiculopathy pain that goes into their hands and fingers just suddenly disappears, and uh, we, we look like heroes, and I love it. Absolutely, and you guys are heroes at the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas, and more people should take advantage uh, of what you guys have to offer because we don't need to live in pain. It's an old adage that it's just an inevitable aspect of life. Uh, there's answers out there for you, and the Neuropathy and Pain Center uh, is a great asset in that regard. Please give them a call, 725-373-9879. With whatever you're dealing with, or maybe it's your mom or dad or uncle or best friend, uh, companion, whatever the case might be, 725-373-9879. Get answers that you deserve. Dr. Stephen Shaw, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. We will thank check you, back man. with you next week. All right. Go Raiders. Go Knights. There you go. Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. Give them a call, 725-373-9879. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Some, some basketball games are starting to heat up. Uh, I love this time of year. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Playing as many games as he did as a rookie, um, there's good and there's bad. Uh, but when you're that young, uh, you look at it as what, what, can we, what, what can we work with, what can we fix. Uh, there's a lot to do uh, in that process. Uh, I've already spoken to him. Um, that process is underway. And I think what we'll end up doing is whatever's best for the Raiders, you know, he's shown the ability that to play, you know, in both spots. Um, you know, more guard last year than tackle. But um, we see him being a contributor. Uh, we see him being a guy that we're really excited to work with. Uh, we're going to try to get the most out of him. That's uh, Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels talking about Alex Leatherwood and what to do with Alex Leatherwood. Do you keep him at guard? You look at the uh, the numbers last year, the grading numbers. Um, he certainly, you know, there were there were games, especially in the run game, uh, where he was pretty darn good uh, playing right guard uh, in, in in run block uh, grades. Uh, there were a couple of games, he only played four uh, at right tackle, uh, that he did a pretty decent job uh, in run blocking. But it stands to reason that once he got to guard and then got a whole bunch of games under his belt, uh, that he was starting to settle in. Now, I don't know if you want to disrupt that uh, by, by making him move back to right tackle, but you know the, the, the thing is, he fits all the criteria of what you're looking for in a right tackle um, he's a physical specimen he's athletic he could get to that second level uh, showed that in college pretty seamlessly uh, the the weaknesses that were in college or the the areas that that were uh, you know uh, not necessarily red flags but areas that you knew he was going to have to really work on uh, at this level were pass blocking and that proved to be true um, at right tackle, as it was at guard, to be honest with you. He didn't grade out very well uh, as a pass blocker at guard uh, as well. He was it, the, the strength was definitely in run blocking. Um, so, But what do they do with, with Alex Leatherwood? Do they keep him at guard? Um, 
Maybe, and, and that probably makes a lot of sense. You know, do they move him over to left guard? He played, he played left uh, tackle and left guard in college. Do they try to kind of recreate that a little bit? Uh, at left guard, obviously, Colton Miller's a left tackle. Um, or do they say, hey, look, you know, we're, we've watched him play guard a lot. We watched him play tackle, obviously, as well. Still feel there's a future there uh, at right tackle. And coming out of college, whether you thought he was a first-round pick or a second-round pick, pretty much everybody looked at him like a tackle, as a right tackle. So I don't think that necessarily changes just because circumstance dictated that he had to move to right guard. And when we talk about him moving to right guard, it wasn't just because he was struggling at right tackle. It's because they were struggling at right guard as well, like big time. So if you remember, that was the position that Denzel Good was playing to start the season and was expected to play. You have a veteran in uh, Denzel Good playing right guard, and you have alongside him a rookie that the hope is that he's going to get better as the year goes on, especially playing alongside a veteran like Denzel Good. That option was taken off the table in the first half of the first game of the regular season. So all of a sudden, Alex Leatherwood is out there kind of on his own with a guy by the name of Jermaine Illuminor, not taking anything away from Jermaine, but he's the guy that replaced Denzel Good five minutes into the season and had been there for about five hours, you know, uh, relatively speaking. He had signed the day before or, or the week before the regular season opener. So in about six or seven days, all of a sudden, Jermaine Illuminor, who had been picked up off waivers, is now the starting right guard alongside a rookie in Alex Leatherwood. That's not the picture that the Raiders had in mind. And I think it affected Alex at right tackle as well because he didn't have that steady kind of leadership to the left of him. It was a brand-new player, somebody that he hadn't spent one day with in OTAs, not one day with in, uh, in, in minicamp, not one hour uh, during uh, training camp. It was somebody entirely new. I know this is the NFL. You have to adapt. They tried to do that, obviously. But the point is, not only was Alex Leatherwood struggling at right tackle, Jermaine Illuminor was struggling at right guard. And I'd give him some leeway as well because, as we just mentioned, he literally just showed up. And then all of a sudden, he's starting. That was not the plan for him either. That was supposed to be Denzel Good. And, oh, by the way, uh, Richie Incognito, the veteran left guard, had gone down. So now you're starting a rookie or uh, a second-year player in John Simpson at left guard. Probably wasn't ready for the assignment at that point. Uh, but he had to, you know, it's, 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 th- that was the situation. You got to deal with it. John Simpson, the job is yours. Go do the best you can. So there was a lot of disruption, uh, and it kind of explains why Andre James struggled to start the year. He was, there was going to be a learning curve with Andre James as well, no question about it. He's making his first start at, uh, at center um, after being basically a protege uh, the first two years of his career, learning a new craft. He was a guy that played tackle in college. He gets to the NFL, and the Raiders say, we envision you as a center, so let's start training you and developing you at center. That wasn't going to happen overnight, so he needed two years in the lab uh, to be able to get um, to, to get that position down pat. Didn't mean he was just going to step in and be a star in year one after getting the assignment from Rodney Hudson, but there was a comfort level that with Richie Incognito to his left 
and Denzel Good to his right, they were going to be kind of the buffer uh, uh, zone guys to be able to really help a young center along and the right tackle alongside Denzel Good. All that got blown up within minutes of the season starting. Incognito goes down in training camp. Denzel Good goes down in the uh, first game of the season. I wonder how much the new staff takes all of that into account when they assess what Alex Leatherwood was doing at right tackle, um, and maybe that justifies their reasoning to, you know what, we believe that he can still play right tackle. We're going to give him a shot. And if that is the case, then maybe they go back to the original plan, which was to have Denzel Good playing alongside him at right guard. That's something that I would be curious to see. The original plan, Andre James at center, Denzel Good at right guard, uh, Alex Leatherwood at right tackle, John Simpson or whoever wins the left guard position, and Colton Miller. Um, you know, uh, you're already starting off with um, a little bit of an edge compared to last year. Alex Leatherwood. No, I don't think so at all. Why is that? I don't think that's an edge over where you were starting off at last season because well, you, you say gotta, last season before everyone went down, Richie Incognito was supposed to be that left guard. If you if you put it on paper, I do think that what they were supposed to start with, let's say training camp, what they were thinking of heading into the season with is better than what they're going to be heading into the season with now. And with the, for the argument to keep them at guard, I do think that the market is better out there for the aging tackle that you can just put plug in place and start at right tackle and just let them develop at guard. Although you're going to be in the same darn position next year because that guy that you're replacing at right tackle is probably not going to be around beyond this year. So it's just hey, a this is a win. Gap. This is a win now team. But I'll say we this. just saw this Andrew. Is, um, what's what's the uh, Rams offensive lineman? That guy's like a basically a Hall of Fame player. Though. Exactly. Some of these guys are still performing at Pro Bowl levels. Like I said, Dwayne Brown made the Pro Bowl last but here, season. But here, here's um, I, I wasn't I I didn't complete the thought on why I think the Raiders would be uh, ahead of the game this year because now coming into this year. Andre James already has a year under his belt and actually turned the corner. So, so he's good to go. That's not a starting from ground zero uh, situation anymore. He's starting from a pretty good place. At the very least, Alex Leatherwood isn't a uh, bright, you know, bushy-tailed, bright-eyed uh, rookie coming in. He's got a year under his belt. The guy played, what, 18 games last year, 17 in the regular season, and started a playoff game. That's a much further ahead starting point for him so that's what that's what i mean um in terms of just the experience gained from last year i think i think uh you're not as green as you were last year because let's face it andre james and alex leatherwood heck alex leatherwood wasn't even on the roster this time uh last year um but but that's my point is why i think that they're in a better place now because two of the components are much more experienced even the bad experience that Alex Leatherwood, you know, went through will help him this year, whether that's at right guard or at right tackle. But if you can replicate what you thought you were going to be doing last year with the Andre James, who's much further along now, Denzel Good, presuming he's healthy at right guard, and Alex Leatherwood now at right tackle alongside, you know, first of all, him being a more experienced player alongside unexperienced player and Denzel Good and a pretty darn good guard uh, and, and, and Andre James, maybe that changes the thinking a little bit. I'm not saying that that's what they're 
uh, the road that they're going to go down, but I think they're exploring all of these ideas. I, me, personally, if you were to ask me today, um, if I were the Raiders, who would I rather have at right tackle, Brandon Parker, Jermaine Illuminor, or, or Alex Leatherwood? Alex Leatherwood, especially alongside a Denzel Good. I, to me, Brandon Parker has had plenty of opportunities to, ex, to you know, distinguish himself, and he just hasn't. What he's distinguished himself as, to me, is a swing tackle, a guy that uh, is your is your you know backup right tackle, backup left tackle. That's that's what he is. And if if, if situation warrants, like it did last year, you kind of hope for the best um, that he's going to be able to give you an average to respectable. Uh, performance. Did he do that last year? Sometimes, but not really all the time. And Jermaine Illuminar, I, you know, I mean, this guy's this is a guy who's bounced around, gotten cut. You know, uh, the New England Patriots, you know, didn't bring him back. I think he was with Tampa Bay uh, before he came to 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 uh, to, the, to the Raiders. So he's had opportunities too, and hasn't really distinguished himself. So for me, if you're if, if unless they go out like Demond says and go out and get a uh, another right tackle, which that could be what they. That could be the play. Um, I'd rather have Alex Leatherwood at right tackle, uh, Denzel Good at, at right guard. Now that the whole game changer is if they do bring somebody else in at right tackle. My question is, why haven't they done that already? Why haven't they brought in you know one of the uh, one of the guys that's already signed elsewhere, perhaps, or just some of the you know anybody that's that's still available at right tackle, or do they feel like? What I just said, maybe the right play is Leatherwood at right tackle and hope that he takes another step forward. Denzel Good, Andre James, John Simpson, or whoever at left guard, and um, uh, Colt Miller at that left tackle. I don't know. Maybe that's the way to go. It just seems conspicuous to me that they didn't make right tackle a urgent position. I mean, they've gone deep at, at defensive tackle. They've gone deep at cornerback. They've signed multiple wide receivers. They've signed multiple running backs and a fullback. Um, they've signed multiple linebackers now. Uh, they haven't signed one right tackle, not one, other than Brandon Parker, who I think profiles best as a, uh, a swing tackle. But it's definitely a, uh, an interesting question, and it's definitely something that I know that they're pondering, and it's definitely something Demon. That I'm going to ask next week in Florida uh, when we get to the owners' meetings on. on uh, but how Monday. much information do they really give at these owners' meetings? Um, I mean, because I feel like no offense to coaches and GMs, it's all well. Hey, we're going to look at that and we're going to do what's best for the team. It's definitely at the owners' meetings. It's definitely very um, way more casual. So it's not like you're. you're first of all. We're going to be in West Palm. Every owners' meeting that I've ever gone to is at like some plush, beautiful, um, you know, five-star hotel. It's basically a country club. All right, every every one of them. This one uh, included the Breakers uh, over in Palm Beach. So um, it's going to be very casual, very cool. We're going to have breakfast with with Josh McDaniels. Um, they do it with all the coaches. Uh, you go from table to table. It'll be interesting to see. Um, what the format is this year only because, you know, we're still getting out of COVID-19. But you get like 45 minutes, an hour with them, and you're shooting the you-know-what. I was almost getting ready to say the you-know-what. Uh, thankfully, I caught myself <laughs> there. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot more casual. And you also get them off to the side. There's also a big party that happens, um, you know, the NFL uh, commissioner's party, which is a lot of fun. And you get guys in a very casual uh, atmosphere. So 
I think I'll be able to get something uh, like, hey, any, any new thoughts on Alex Leatherwood? And I'll throw those questions. Do you feel better with him maybe at right tackle with Denzel Good at right guard? Not to say that they're going to say exactly what they're doing, but I would imagine after free agency, uh, after going to the scouting combine, um, so we're about a month away from the la- or a month out of the last time we talked to them. I would imagine they have uh, some more information on that. It's nothing. It's not like some big secret or shouldn't be some big, huge secret. Maybe they have come up with a decision, but um, I don't know. Uh, that's 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 definitely what I'm uh, what I'm going to ask you. What is your aversion to uh, to giving um, Leatherwood another shot? Is that if it goes bad, there is no alternative now. Where if there, where if if you do bring in the experienced right tackle who who's been around the block, that that sure that sures it up. Maybe if that guy goes down in the season, his body just can't withstand the the wear and tear of an NFL season anymore. Hey, now we can try to move Alex over to right tackle. But if you go in just to maybe drafting it, maybe drafting another guard or a tackle in the draft, and you go in with the offensive line intact as it is now. There is no contingency plan if something does go wrong. And for a team that is all in, I think you still need to make those all in moves. Because if you go into the season with the offensive line the way it is now, that is not a Super Bowl winning caliber offensive line to me. Well, um, and, and it may not need to be. Because, again, we talked about how the, the, the Cincinnati Bengals got to the Super Bowl with, a, with an even worse Yeah, but I'm line. tired of hearing the excuses. I know I've only been around the team for three seasons, but I just don't, I don't want it to be an excuse for if the season ends in January. Uh, man, if we just beeped off the offensive line, and then, then it'd be another season of, hey, I'm already, I'm already looking ahead of time. Excuse me, I'm already looking ahead of time, and I don't want to hear, oh, the offensive line was the only thing that's held, that was holding us if, back. The what, offensive line should have been beefed up in the offseason and addressed in the offseason, just but in what case. If, but what if – here's the thing. Uh, uh, this is where I get a little confused because I keep hearing people talk about, well, Jermaine Illuminar could be the right tackle. He's on the roster. Maybe that if, – if it doesn't go right with, with – um, you know, with, with Alex Leatherwood at right tackle, if they go down that road, and we don't know that they are, but if that is the road that they go down to, it sounds like people, that, you know, have, have, have been talking up Illuminor as a potential guy that could play right tackle or Denzel Good. So I, I kind of reject that there's no uh, contingency plan. Denzel Good might be your contingency plan. If it's not working, you don't want the guy who's got to move to out of position or the guy who in an ideal situation is a quality backup to be the starter that you're depending on. But Denzel Good was is a starter, though. He, that's, he, yes, but you don't want to move him to another position. If you move him over, who's filling in his spot? I think you would switch it back. If, if it wasn't working, um, you, can, you can do that. Or Illuminor. There's becomes- a reason that teams don't go, hey, you're not doing too good at guard. You're not doing too good at tackle. We'll just have you flip. But there are cases where that does happen. I mean, you know, you, sometimes you use the first four games to kind of get a really good handle on, 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 where, you, on where you are. I'm just saying that because uh, Alex, uh, you know, struggled, and I don't know if the move from him from right tackle to right guard was so much his struggle as it was. No, well, Vinny, he was struggling. We're not going to try to re- repaint history and say that, that he wasn't. wasn't struggling. I'm not saying that he wasn't. Listen to what I'm saying. Oh, that it all know. wasn't his fault. That oh, no. because the, the guy what, next to him wasn't as good. That's. I think that they felt like, look, we have a right tackle that struggled. I think if the right guard was really good, like if it was if it was Denzel good last year and he was playing at a high level, 
I think they would have just said, we're going to stick with Alex Leatherwood at right tackle. He's going to get better. We know that. We have a confidence in that. We're going to coach him up. We're going to get him to a, a better place. Could I it have also been that, hey, our, our first-round pick isn't doing as well as we would like at right tackle, and since he is a first-round pick, let's move him over to guard because we know he has, he has experience playing that in college, and then we just don't want to give up on him and shatter his confidence even more, and we'll put him at the right guard spot no. and see how he does there. No, I think it was he wasn't playing well after four games, but it was a complete disaster right alongside him. So they, they, they figured – if, like that's what I'm saying. If it, if if Denzel Good was playing at a high level at right guard, then they would not have moved Alex Leatherwood to right guard. They would have stayed with him at right tackle and let him figure it out. Because what are you going to do then? You're gonna you're just gonna not play your rookie who you knew was going to have a learning. Yeah, curve. but it, but also if he was so good, at, I'm not, you're not saying that he was lights out. I get it. I'm not. But I'm if not he even, was good at right even, tackle, they wouldn't have moved him to right guard. That's not how it works. Then why didn't they? Hey, take, the team doesn't what, say, "Hey, you're an okay wide receiver, but our running backs are going down." How about no, we put you in the back? But hear what I'm no. saying. Hear what I'm saying. They had a huge issue at right guard too, and they didn't have because they had gone. Think about it. They lost all. They lost their both their starting guards, both of their starting guards, right? And the right side of the line because they had to dig as they literally brought in a guy that was there for one week before he's starting in Jermaine Illuminar. That's how thin they got at that position so if that's an established right guard I'm telling you right now Leatherwood would have stayed at right tackle and they would have lived with it and tried to get better from it and there's no reason to think um, that he couldn't have started to improve just as he did at right guard as well I'm saying that it was a two-headed move he wasn't playing very well but also the guy next to him was playing even worse so all right let's see if we could get a veteran guy in there at right tackle move Alex Leatherwood to right guard uh, and, and try to make the best of the situation because they had two players that were playing poorly at that point. If it was just the one, if it was just Alex Leatherwood, I think they would have lived with those struggles and hoped that he got better as the year went on because that was they knew that they were, there was going to be a learning curve with him. Nobody comes in and just lights it up year one, or very few people do that. Um, so I think they would have stuck with him in that regard. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bajador Radio Nation Radio 920 AM on a Friday. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. Something big just happened. <laughs> These guys over here, it's so funny when you're at a uh, sports book and you're watching uh, the reaction of fans um, who may not even have necessarily a rooting interest. Oh, they do. <laughs> they have a much more deeper connection because uh, it's literally their wallet <laughs> that uh, is being affected by shots and things like this. And, um, man, uh, it's just funny because I never I, – I, I, haven't, I haven't been in that world. Damon, uh, yourself, are you uh, – do you partake? Uh, in those types of activities? I dabble. You dabble? Oh, okay. All right. All you know, right. with this NCAA tournament, if you don't if you don't know who you're if you don't know what you're doing, maybe just stay away. Some of the props are fun. Like I was out with a couple of friends and we were out at a casino and there was they had a prop going first team to score to fifteen. So yeah, you'd have people so excited and I was like looking around until my friend told me he was like, Oh, they got a prop first to score to fifteen. Because you'd be watching a game, let's say it doesn't matter who it is 
You got St. Peter's and Purdue on. It'd be 13-13, and people are losing their minds. And I'm like, why are people losing their minds? It's 13-13. I'll, because uh, that next bucket, I'll, uh, somebody's winning. I got a funny story. Back in, back in my Lakers days, we were at the fabulous forum, right? The Lakers were up by, like, 18 points, all right, coming down the stretch. Like, we're talking about 30 seconds left in the game, okay? And Wes Matthews, the original Wes Matthews, not his son, uh, Wes Matthews Sr., is in the game. And by that time, it was, you know, we used to call, there were certain players that you called, like, the human victory cigar. The only time they were in there was when the game was completely out of reach, right? So it's an 18-point game, and Wes Matthews gets called for a foul on a three-pointer. The other team hits the three-pointer, all right? And on top of that, Wes Matthews, with 30 seconds left and the Lakers are up by 18, screams at the referee and gets called for a technical foul, all right? So it turned out to be like a six-point play. And after you hear this, it's the, the building's half full at that point because most fans are leaving at that point. And they're in the corner of the arena, you just hear this slew of, you know, exclamation, you know, cussing words, all of this. And we're all looking at him going, why is he so mad? Like, what's the big deal? Realize he had a bet on the game, and the spread was like 15, I think it was, or 14. And that play took it down to like 12. And that guy who probably bet the spread, you know, with it, lost probably a whole lot of money, and he was livid. But you, every once in a while, if you're in an arena, there, there we go again. Uh, you hear that kind of a reaction, Devon. So it's, it gets, it gets, it's it, things are important to people, even when you think some blowout win. Who cares? But that guy cared. Uh, but you see a lot of that here uh, at the treasure. We're at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Um, right now, we're looking at Providence against uh, per, or against Kansas. Kansas is up 34-23. Uh, looks like we're in halftime of the St. Peter's uh, Purdue game. Don't have a score on that uh, just yet. Oh, it's 45-45. There you go. Yeah, it's second half. The All those loud cheers, those are all people who have St. Peter's. St. Peter's, yeah. I heard somebody bet, like, was it 40000 or 4000 I think it was, for, for uh, St. Peter's to win the whole thing. At this point, you know, you can jump in, I guess, and, right. and start betting right now. And I think the payout is like $400,000 even right now. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. If you have it to spend, if you obviously to this spend. person has the disposable income. Well, um, I, was, I was awakened to Las Vegas. Um, we had a meeting at the Las Vegas Review Journal. We have, we have dedicated writers for the gambling aspect of it. Like any other paper that I worked for, aside from maybe horse racing, there was nobody that was doing that, you know. So – I'm like, whoa! This is this is really big stuff out here, and uh, so I would I would sit with our, our our gambling guys, and they would give me all the lingo and all that, and they told me a story about somebody who, when the Golden Knights were first here, somebody and I I think it was a few people bought or bet at the very beginning of the season on the Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup championship, and uh, it got pretty darn close. And I think, if I remember the story correctly. There were people, there were like uh, uh, um, sports books that were trying to buy back the mm-hmm. ticket. Like give them like here's $300,000 so we yep. don't have to pay you a potential million dollars or so. Yeah, you would, can. Would you have taken that offer? Oh, 100%. Right. Yes. Damon, would you have? Yeah, that's why they, they, they even have like a prop swap. Yeah. Like you can sell like, hey, if you're like, hey, 
Devon says he dabbles in it, and he's now he's dropping pop or prop swap. swap. Come on, because Vinny, think you, about you, it that, like it's this: it's a little bit more than dabbling. Come well, on. that that one's a little different than what you're referring to. Okay, what's that? Uh, Demon, go ahead and explain prop swap. Oh, I was just going to say, Vinny, because you were bringing up the VGK situation. That yes. was a very uh, unique situation. But let's just say, like, if anything, let's say if you're like, hey, I'm going to put down beginning of the season Lamar Jackson MVP. Okay. And let's say if it pays out $5,000 just to throw out a number. Okay. And you're like, man, Lamar Jackson's heating up. So then you could be like, hey, who wants this $5,000 payout Lamar Jackson MVP ticket? I'll sell it to you for 2000 So you can ah. go ahead and collect that two grand. And this person maybe is just banking on, hey, if Lamar Jackson wins the MVP, that's a $3,000 profit. Yeah, you just doubled your money, basically. Right. Yeah, so but what he's talking about is you can sell your ticket to somebody else. To somebody else. Whereas a lot of times, especially with uh, the mobile apps, right. you can cash out early. You're not selling it to anyone. The casino is paying you to not keep going with your bet. Oh, I like it. And a lot of people – a lot of people don't do it, yeah. but me personally, there's got to be a the cutoff point. Seen, like, I would yeah. for sure do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what did the the Golden Knights ended up losing in the finals? What was the four uh, to one? Four to one. Yeah, so it became, you know, I I, I I think somebody held on to the ticket just for keepsake anyway. It's like ah, if it pays off, it pays off. I didn't right. really make that big of an investment, uh, but I'm sure the at that point the odds were so astronomical. Oh, I'm sure they've probably did it every way to win the division to win the western yeah. conference and right. to win the cup so they made good chunk of change demon you 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 gambling dabbler <laughs> what uh what's the biggest payout for demon cotton be honest yeah probably like around like a hundred dollars I'm, I'm not that big like sometimes you hit on a parlay you know, you do like a little three teamer. Danny's Danny's more well versed than me. I'm I'm small time. I'm small time. Biggest payout, Danny? Uh, yeah, probably around a hundred bucks. Oh, okay. So you're like, just... I don't I don't bet a lot, but I bet often. Okay. Like right now, I have. Oh, uh, here we go. I have Providence plus eight tonight, and they just shot twenty percent in the first half. They're I, killing me. I got to give Danny credit because uh, he. I, do, do you play poker? Uh, I used to play a lot. You you have that demeanor because I would have never known that you were getting crushed over there. But right. I'm also I'm also kind of okay with it because <laughs> one of my buddies uh, he talked me into taking Kansas to win the national championship in the preseason. So, oh, so I have a 14 to one ticket on Kansas. What would that? Uh, if you, I, just say give give me a number if if you would have bet a thousand dollars. What you'd win fourteen thousand. Oh, yeah. It's enticing. It is. So that's why I want Kansas to win somewhere between one and seven points. Okay. So that I get I get my Providence, but I also still have Kansas going. There you go. There all you right, go. Vinny, all you got to do is convince the wife to let you splurge on you know, extra, like, what, $200 a week? I have and to you admit, yourself can be in the game. I have to admit, she's she's more intrigued now than she's ever been. Like, yeah. she's like, really? You know, like, she, she I'm like, huh. The, the door has cracked open a little bit. Uh, but And one thing I, I will say, and I've noticed this over the last couple of years with more books popping up and everything and all these mobile apps, if you're going to do sports betting, open multiple accounts so that you can shop lines. Aha, uh-huh. okay. And you can find the best payouts. All right. Um, that's, uh, by the way, Danny, our uh, sound en- engineer, who's with me here at the T- Treasure Island Hotel and has been quietly watching – as his bets have gone one way or another, so and I had no idea. So uh, you're you're good, man. You're good. 
Uh, Damon, do you get emotional or are you? Uh, are no, you no. It's it's one of those things. It's almost like if your team loses, you know, because I I feel like I'm old when I say this because I haven't done it in so long though. But I'm a rip up the ticket guy and just you know throw my hands <laughs> up and you know that there it is. You rip up that ticket, especially when you have a parlay and let's say you know you got the three or four different games. That first game of the day, especially with college football, that game that's on at like 9 a.m. Doesn't go your way, just rip the ticket up, and uh, that's your day. You know, uh, I had a friend who uh, dabbled in some other type activity. Um, it starts with an M and ends with a B. Uh, if you, you can, you can uh, do spell check on that one. But anyway, his uncle, Uncle Beansy, by the way, Uncle Beansy, uh, made money in various different ways. And, and, and you know, uh, how do you uh, account for it with the big accountant up there with the letter I? Uh, he would go to racetracks, horse racetracks, and collect all the losing tickets. And at the end of the year, with his tax guys, here's where all my money went. You know, yeah. I, I, I I bet cash. Uh, I lost I lost like two hundred thousand dollars this year, or whatever the number was. So I'm like, wow, that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty smart. So uh, Uncle Beansy, and I know if Josh M, I'm not even going to say his last name, is listening. Thank you for that story. And he had uh, plenty of them, Josh M., uh, out in Los Angeles. want to say thanks to the Treasure Island Hotel and the Golden Circle Sportsbook for all their hospitality. We're here every Friday, 4 to 6 p.m., uh, except for next Friday. Uh, there is a – yeah, uh, uh, we got some stuff going on, so we won't be out here next Friday, but we'll let you know when we will be. I uh, want to say thanks to Devon Cotton. want to say thanks to all of our guests this week. Uh, I'm not going to be here Monday through Wednesday next week. Uh, Q Myers will be hosting 2 to 5 all Monday through Wednesday. Uh, thank you uh, to Q for that. We'll talk to you next week.